Welcome to Brainwaves, student research on air. This podcast series is a collaboration between CKUT and the Postgraduate Student Society of McGill University. We are here to feature student research of all disciplines in Montreal and make academic work more broadly understood and accessible. On this episode, Juan Sebastian Delgado, a McGill doctoral student in cello performance, speaks about the development of new tango and its cultural and social impact. My name is Juan Sebastian Delgado, and I'm originally from Argentina. I've been living in Montreal for the last five years. I was studying in Boston before, and I moved here to do my master's degree in cello performance. And uh, then I decided to continue at uh, the Schulich School of Music to do a doctoral, uh, still in cello performance, where I'm working with um, Matt Hamowitz, who is um, my supervisor and uh, private instructor. So um, I'm doing a doctoral on, on, on the evolution and transformation of instrumental tango. There's a lot of research you have to do, but it's still based on the performance. I will be having a lecture recital, which is, is um, a required uh, activity as part of my degree, and uh, which means that you have to talk for about 35 minutes, presenting your research and your key fin- findings. And then the other, uh, the second half, which is another 30, 40 minutes, you have to perform. And the music has to be related to uh, your studies, your research. So then uh, I will be doing um, four pieces. Two are premieres and um, the other two are already been performed uh, by four Argentinian composers who none of them actually live in Argentina. One of them lives in California, another lives in New York, another in Paris, and another one in Italy. The idea for me of doing a research creation uh, is that it's an opportunity for me to to be part of a creation process as a performer and understand the the new elements of music that he injects into into this composition and into the tango. So he has based the piece on on the tango and how the tango has evolved. And um, it's a piece that it has five different movements. So each movement represents uh, a feeling, an intention, and um, in a way, the, the creation itself is a statement because uh, it's a new piece. So we sort of continue with the process of music evolution of tango, which is a beautiful idea, right? And um, it's called uh, exactly research creation because for me it's an opportunity to uh, collaborate with the composer in the process of, of creation and understand what he meant uh, in each in each of the movements and um, what is the significance and what is the, the association to tango music and relate that information that data that I'm collecting to my own research. As I say, I'm originally from Argentina, so I grew up listening a lot of um, you know classical music and uh, world music and tango because tango is something that 
as you probably know, was born at the coast of Rio de la Plata, right? So in, in next to Uruguay and uh, Buenos Aires. And um, so by, you know, growing up listening to, to tango and particularly the music of Astor Piazzolla is something that, you know, is deeply rooted into sort of my musical culture. And um, when I had to decide a topic for uh, my application to the doctoral program at McGill, I decided perhaps this will be a way into tango in a more academic way rather than something, you know, I love this music and, you know, it's part of my culture. Um, so I decided to work on the evolution and transformation of instrumental new tango. By new tango, I mean the innovations of uh, composer Astor Piazzolla and on. So basically I'm, 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 I'm comparing pieces written for the cello by our, uh, composers who have used, you know, tango in their music. Uh, so it's, you know, uh, a bridge in between contemporary music and tango and how, you know, they have taken the genre and infused it into their own musical vocabulary. You know, tango has been something that I've been exposed to since I was young. And uh, one of perhaps the first memories that I had is when I was uh, part of um, a cello ensemble of my former cello teacher in Argentina. And we would, uh, among the pieces we would play, you know, like standard classical works and also arrangement by, you know, works by the Beatles and, you know, uh, more accessible pieces. We also do uh, tango and piazzola pieces. And, you know, I felt, you know, that um, the music of Piazzolla spoke to me in a, in a very um, personal way. You know, his, uh, his vocabulary is very dramatic and expressive. And, um, you know, now at this point in my life where I had um, the opportunity to continue my studies and, and to do a specific research, I thought, well, you know, I should perhaps dig into, you know, what is actually what Piazzolla did that, you know, revolutionized the, the tango and that's how the term uh, known as new tango and um, and what happened after that because I mean there is a lot of uh, scholarship written on Piazzolla himself as a you know the one that brought uh, a new light to the tango but there is no much written about what happened after Piazzolla so the 40 years after you know from you know Piazzolla's innovations to the present so my interest goes uh, a little bit into that as well. What will be the application of your research in your own field? Well, this is an interesting point because the fact that uh, I'm doing a doctorate, but it's in it's in performance, uh, it's a performance-based uh, diploma. So, you know, my application is um, every time I perform. You know, is is understanding how uh, uh, this genre of music works. How, what are the specific articulations, the specific techniques, um, um, the musical vocabulary, the texts that we have to understand in order to do a, 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 a good uh, performance of, of that music, right? So it's something that every time you will be, you know, around performing music, you know, uh, in part if it, that is a, the, the practical application of, the, of my studies. On top of that, you could, you know, also go on later on, uh, eventually I would like to teach at the university level and, you know, uh, have a seminar on the history of tango, let's say, so you will also be able to transmit what you know to you know, the younger generations. Uh, and also exposed uh, 
people and audiences to music that perhaps they never heard. So it's, I think, you know, works uh, both ways, you know, in an academic and non-academic environment. That's what the power of music is about, is, is about communicating something, telling a story. Uh, sometimes, you know, that story can be very meaningful and powerful and beautiful, sometimes not. But I think that the practical application of what we do as doing a, a degree of such as a PhD in music performance, it goes back to this idea that at the end you, you will be able to uh, to program, to, to put together a, a, a concert where you you select and you choose specific pieces of a certain specific repertoire, let's say tango, uh, which uh, there is a connection, there is a history behind each piece, you know, and a history behind each composer and an intention, a feeling, and then eventually the goal of the performer is to, to transmit the ideas of the composer and add something fresh, something new, um, which is uh, transmitted through the live performance itself. And I think that's uh, very powerful already there because, I mean, it's a way to, to communicate with people through music. Can you speak more to the political history and impact of tango and new tango? Absolutely. Basically, I will I will make the long story short, but um, uh, people know about tango, not particularly about new tango, which is what I'm perhaps uh, concentrating uh, with my doctoral studies. But tango, uh, you know, was born at the very end of the 19th century, uh, as I said, on the coast of uh, River Plate. In, in our, in, which is uh, what connects Uruguay to Argentina, the coast of Buenos Aires, and was a product of the, the immigration flow. Argentina is a country that has been formed by immigrants, a lot of people that came from Europe, and also there is a little um, portion that came from Africa. So the tango uh, was born in the, in, the poor, in the poor neighborhoods of, of Buenos Aires, as a voice of the immigrant class, and um, it started as a dance. So that's why the rhythmic feature in tango music is so important, so strong, because it's what um, determines, you know, the the, the flow in, in the dancing. Um, so the genre started as a dance, as a popular dance, uh, and was the, it, it was not good uh, received by people. They they thought they they thought of tango as something of the lower class. It was from the lower classes, but because of that, they look down on it, and um, was also related and practiced in at the brothels uh, in Buenos Aires. Uh, then it gained popularity in the twenties, thirties, and it got uh, international uh, reputation. And you know some uh, composers start looking into tango differently uh, uh, they all what is called the golden age of the tango and the people in Europe like even Stravinsky wrote a tango uh, or Eric Satie for instance and um, and then it, it flourished in Argentina it was you know something that was taken as a, a cultural identity of, of, of Argentinians and um, they form what is called the Orquesta Típica which is uh, it's a small a band, a, you know, usually played with the basses, piano, violins, sometimes flutes, and bandoneon, which is a, a major component in the history of tango. Bandoneon is like the saxophone in jazz is a bandoneon to tango. It's an instrument, um, you know, originally came from Germany, 
to imitate the organ, the sound of the organ for masses at the church. So they brought immigrants brought that instrument with them and the instrument finally found a, a, you know a voice in its own through the tango, which is funny. So that was the main instrument of most of uh, major tango composers, uh, including Astor Piazzolla. He was uh, a, a phenomenal performer of uh, the bandolin as well as a composer. So then uh, when Piazzolla arrives in, in this story, he sort of transformed the, the tango because he infused uh, the genre with new elements from other musics, such as jazz, uh, he added some uh, elements of improvisation and the idea of charmer music to to start writing music for a small group of people rather than for the the typical band. And uh, perhaps the most important statement he made was music to be heard, not music for uh, dancing. Mm. So he rejects the idea of tango as a show, and he introduced the idea of tango as a um, as music to be heard, as a, as, a re, as a real concert where people have to go uh, to see and hear the music. And um, he has academic training with Ginastera, Alberto Ginastera, which was or is considered mainly the, the, the greatest uh, classical composer of Argentina or the most renowned composer of Argentina. So he studied with him and then he moved to Paris in the 50s to study with Nadia Boulanger who was uh, considered at the time to the foremost um, music pedagogue at the time. So people like Gershwin studied with, with her, and uh, people would come from all over the world to, to get the, her knowledge. So Piazzolla also uh, moved to Paris to study with her. So he had a really strong background and training in composition, in formal procedures of, of, of composing. And um, then the critical reception of Piazzolla music in Argentina was negative because a lot of people were saying this is not tango this uh, we don't know what it is we can uh, we, we we don't see ourselves in in this we you know this does not represent us as, as music as a culture so a part of the history of Pesola was uh, fighting along the way with all these people who were more much more conservative about the idea of tango and they reject uh, consistently Piazzolla's innovations after Piazzolla's death uh, his music was taken, you know, also as part of Argentinian culture, you know, as uh, society changes, you know, and uh, a new generation comes uh, and feels identified with, with, with that music. People start appreciating his um, contributions much more. And uh, nowadays, I mean, a part of what people know abroad from Argentina of what tango is, is thanks to music by Piazzolla, because he also performed a lot outside and record with um, some of the greatest uh, musicians of the time, including jazz uh, musicians, tango musicians, and classical musicians. You are listening to Brainwaves, student research on air. Head to the website culture.cket.ca brainwaves to listen to other podcasts in the series or to learn more about having your own research featured. If you are enjoying this podcast, consider checking out All Things McGill from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Monday on CKET 90.3 FM on the dial or www.ckt.ca online. Why do you feel it's important to document the evolution of new tango? 
Well, as a musician, I think that it's important to document anything we do in general. It's a way to promote new music, which some nowadays is difficult. I mean, you work at the radio, and you know that, unfortunately, you know, when I turn on the radio, most of music that we hear is not uh, music that I particularly would like to hear. And there's so many wonderful musicians and incredible composers out there that are doing unique things, you know, and their contribution to the world is through what they do, the, the music. And they don't get a chance to have their music broadcasts promoted. So I think recording is an essential part of what we do as musicians because it's, it's what is going to last at the end. And uh, it's what, you know, eventually what people will will consume and will will get to hear and get to discover new things. Like, for instance, this new creation by Jorge Bosso. I have the intention of recording it at Miguel. And eventually, that will get to the ears of and hands of, of people out there and they will, you know, get to discover a new musical style that perhaps they, they, they didn't know it existed. I recently was awarded a recording project competition at Miguel, which actually enables me the opportunity to professionally record at the Magill Studios. So I plan in during this summer in July uh, to record pieces for solo cello. So I will be recording a work by Ginastera and also a piece by Pablo Ortiz, which is one of the uh, composers that I'm interested in my research, who have contributed also to New Tango. And um, he wrote this uh, piece for solo cello, which I will be playing it at my lecture recital in October, and which I will be recording at McGill. A lot of people talk about the, the power of music, and I think it's really important to really say what the power of music is, not just to, to say, you know, we all know that as a, as a vehicle for expression, it is powerful. But what actually makes music powerful, I think, it's a language in its own, you know, and uh, it communicates things that we cannot do through words. So I think that lies in the most important aspect of why music is powerful. Perhaps even a more important aspect to it, which is what we do with the music. We can keep playing the music at, you know, the best concert halls. Uh, wealthy people coming in and paying, you know, a lot of money for a ticket and to enjoy this music, which to me is a little static in terms of, you know, uh, interaction is still the the concept of you know audience versus performance, uh, but we can also do more if we take the music and we perform it in in a in a different uh, rare location such a, in a tiny cafe or at a bar where where people will not be expecting having a cellist show up and and perform a repertoire of new music and old music by Bach and new arrangements and uh, and people love it the reaction and the reception of uh, this kind of um um concert settings is uh, highly positive on top of that um i've been really involved in the last few years with uh, in in music programs that use music as a social tool for transformation and um it's pretty amazing to see and to witness what music actually can do. Last summer I was uh, working in Colombia. I actually applied to a fellowship that was uh, awarded to me at uh, McGill. Also, it's called the McBurney Fellowship. With a grant, you get to basically volunteer at uh, a musical center. So 
uh, what I did is I, I, I flew to Colombia and I spent two months working with uh, non-profit organizations in remote parts of Colombia in music teaching, so music education. So you get to be exposed to work with um, with children from all ages who have, you know, disadvantaged opportunities, you know, they don't have uh, good infrastructures, they struggle to play good instruments and with the with the learning itself. Those kids who also come from really harsh uh, social background, they get the opportunity to be exposed to play chamber music, to play symphonic music with kids from their same background and to forget about their, their social condition status. You know, music helps them, you know, come out from that environment and to find a voice in, in, in their own, you know, through through music. So it's, you know, going back to the, the initial idea of what I was saying about the, the importance of music as a, you know, social transformation. It's pretty amazing to see what those kids can accomplish given the the environment in which they learn music uh, and the environment in which they're exposed. I was very thankful to see this part of the world and, and to realize what sometimes people do in order to access to good education and how how strongly they take music to themselves which in contrast sometimes in here, you know, in first world countries, you know, things are, are much more obvious and people have um, are born, you know, and they never wonder about education and possibilities and what it means to them and their career and their life. Going back to the idea of the, the power of music, there you see what music can do, you know, not only, you know, as a show entertainment vehicle, but also as a opening the eyes of a lot of young people out there. You just listened to Brainwaves, student research on air. Head to the website culture.ckut.ca slash brainwaves to listen to other podcasts in the series or to learn more about having your own research featured. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider checking out All Things McGill from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. on CKUT 90.3 FM on the dial or www.ckut.ca online. CKUT is McGill's campus community radio station that provides alternative music, news, and spoken word programming to the city of Montreal and surrounding areas, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year.